escapingthecave.com. Also on Facebook and at ETC Pod on Twitter. Howdy, Todd Zilla Files, and welcome to the re-resurrection of the Escaping the Cave podcast, the Toddzilla X Pod, iTunes, Google Play, and now on SoundCloud. A lot of you folks may be uh, finding the SoundCloud links that I'm dropping and uh, <laughs> all over the internet. Welcome back. Glad you're here, especially you folks who uh, have listened to the other iterations of my podcasts over the last five years. I had the uh, Toddzilla X Pod back in 2014, worked on the uh, Unregimented podcast with those folks over at Christopher Media and, of course, my uh, podcast last year. And if you're familiar with me, you understand uh, the often temperamental nature of my podcasts. Uh, I don't get paid to do this. I don't solicit advertising. Uh, I make no money whatsoever from this, and I've eschewed it um, purposely. I don't like advertising. I don't like having to worry about whether or not people who are paying me approve of my content. It's a pretty simple thing. My background in radio taught me that you have a lot more freedom if um, you know, you're not beholden to advertisers. And the reason I'm explaining this to you now is because it's going to tie into this podcast directly. This is not new material today. I don't need to do new material on a lot of things because, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the stuff that I consider essential and foundational moving forward on this podcast, I've already done. I've already talked about it. Why do I need to go out and rewrite it, revoice it, re-edit it? I'm not going to do that. It's dumb. It's a waste of time. So what I've decided to do to provide that foundation to new folks and maybe sort of as a refresher to you folks who've been around in the last few years is uh, take um, a couple of these podcasts, chop them down, get you know, sort of rid of the current events, topical stuff that I had added to the podcast at other times that are not relevant now, get rid of them. Also, go back and try to streamline it a little bit to stay to the point of the foundation that I'm trying to get across or I'm trying to build uh, with that particular episode. And this is one of them. This is going to be the Medium 101 podcast from last year, shortened, distilled, and a little bit more to the point. And as I was saying before, advertising is a problem. If you're selling advertising, you are not completely free to do what it is you want to do. One of the things I like to talk about is a perfect example. After the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico a few years ago, we saw BP advertising on, I think, each and every one of the major cable news outlets that will affect, one way or another, how these cable outlets cover the story. They have money coming in from BP. They can't. And it's not their fault. Now, uh, Understand that. They, they can't self-destruct. They can't act in a self-destructive nature that way because they depend, their entire existence depends on advertising. That's how they make money. If they start making a habit or getting a reputation for attacking their advertisers, they won't have very many advertisers left and they won't exist the problem isn't the media outlets. The problem is a for-profit media. 
And that's what we have. You can say, well, we shouldn't. We shouldn't have this. We should have that. Well, that's fine. Maybe. Go back to the Lenny Bruce thing I talked about last year. The truth is what is. What should be is fantasy. A terrible, terrible lie somebody gave the people long ago. Take your shoulds, put them in a little bottle over here, and I don't know, rub it (laughs) if you need to. That's not the world we live in. And you have got to understand that uh, moving forward, in my view. So that's why I chose this podcast as the initial foray back into the medium here in 2019. I think it's essential to understand it. If you're not familiar with it, if you're sort of just a, you know, a casual, I don't know, consumer of electronic visual media, and even some internet, you know, this applies to the internet as well. It really does. I'm going to talk about social media influencers at some point. It's the same concept. And you have got Moving forward, you have got to understand that. And a lot of you, a lot of us, have got to learn how to be more sophisticated media consumers. You have got to understand what it is you're ingesting into your minds. You've got to understand the motivations of these media outlets. And that's why it's important. I want to get this out there right now. I am not taking advertising. This podcast costs me money every month to keep it up. Nobody's paying me. The folks over at ChristopherMedia.net, they're talking about putting me back on there. Chris is talking about you know getting involved in advertising. The guy wants to make money. He's been doing this a long time. You can't fault him for that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you hear advertising... In this podcast, moving forward, it's not mine. It's coming from the network. Okay? And I'm going to tell you folks, you advertisers right now, I don't know if you go out and listen to any of this crap before you put your ads in it. If your product's a piece of junk, I'm going to say so. Or at best, I'm going to ignore it. Okay? And I'm saying that mostly for the benefit of the listeners. Because when you start taking advertising... Typically, it has to affect content, especially in the realm of news and information. It has to. Anytime, I hate this word, I'm going to use it, but anytime advertising and news intersect, I hate that word, but anytime that happens, one of the two is going to be affected. It doesn't take Socrates to understand this. And when you are watching something on cable TV, you're watching a news program, anything like that, it's inevitable. It happens. It has to. It's just the world we live in. You're going to hear a lot from Edward R. Murrow through this episode. I've got about eight minutes of his uh, speech from 1958. The man understood where news was going. It's gone there. You have to understand the mechanics behind it. And that's what I think uh, this podcast does pretty well. And there are things that, have, that I could add to it moving forward that uh, I didn't put in the podcast last year. I don't need to do that today. I can add that as I go along. But this, I think, is a really good foundation for that. So that's why I've decided to resurrect this chunk as the initial 
salvo back into the podcast war. <sighs> but on that note, thanks for clicking over. Glad you're here, especially you folks who have been um, returning listeners for five years. I'm not sure how this is going to go this time. Uh, traveling's not on the table. Uh, I've got a couple of minor <laughs> middle-age-related health issues going on here, so it's a little bit more difficult. The domestic situation has changed radically here. So here I am, and this is what I'm good at. This is my trade. I'm a radio orphan, a radio refugee from the vocation, as it uh, sort of... <laughs> went the way of the blacksmith but this is these are my skills this is what i am good at relatively speaking anyway so this is what i've got to do and i'm going to so before we get to it i want to give the vets the veterans of the podcast uh, a quick heads up on the formatics three-hour podcasts are exhausting not only to listen to and they are especially if they're a one-person podcast holy shit my, my stuff my material is thick and it's only me and listening to me for three hours on the material that i'm talking about especially is exhausting it's exponentially more exhausting to produce it unlike most podcasters i don't just sit down and start babbling into a microphone okay and it's also self-defeating on both fronts because it exhausts the listener and it also exhausts the motivation of the producer to produce these things on a regular basis. So moving forward, I've decided to cap these things out at about an hour, unless I have a guest. Then we'll go until it's done. I'm not going to sit here and say, hello, here's my podcast. I would like three hours of your time. I would like an hour, <laughs> which I think is pretty good, especially if you're interested in the material. And believe me, it helps me out later on because if I'm capping myself out at an hour, I've already got built-in material for the next show, right? So that'll be the format moving forward. Like I said, you can get me on SoundCloud uh, as well. That's brand new. That's different from last year. I, I will have other things uploaded to SoundCloud as well um, as far as uh, – I hate to use the word promos. That's the old radio guy in me, but highlights from – um, old episodes and uh, parts, pieces, parts of episodes that didn't make it into the final cut. What do they call those things? Outtakes? I don't know. So if you want more of this stuff that uh, maybe you haven't heard before and you want it in more digestible, digestible chunks, uh, SoundCloud will be <coughs> excuse me, the way to go as well. Tanzilla X, I think is the username. However you want to find it. Escaping the Cave, Tanzilla X, SoundCloud. You'll find me. So anyway, let's get to it. I've babbled enough. Welcome back. And uh, this is the Media 101 podcast from early 2018. And uh, enjoy it. Mayday. Mayday. Tanzilla is holding me prisoner. Please help. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. Tanzilla X pod. The show that never ends. Sort of a tune about a circus, and that's what your media has become. And I'm going to start with something that's going to horrify you. It's going to hit your ego. You're not going to like it, and you're um, probably going to sit there and flip me off. Go ahead. Get those fingers ready. The news media knows you better than you know yourself. So does Madison Avenue. Advertisers. They're paid to know 
you better and exploit what they've learned. That's why they make insane amounts of money. People in media companies who do that well will make ungodly amounts of money by putting your glazed-over eyeballs in front of dick pill commercials. I mean, it was, uh, what, Alcoa and Ovaltine back in his day, but that, as Ed Murrow figured out 60 years ago, 60 years ago, is the for-profit media model in a nutshell. They are in the business of producing whatever slop gets you to advertising's trough. That's it. And the talking heads, the meat puppets that do that best, take home obscene amounts of these ad dollars. It works the same whether you're a Fox News blowhard or a pixied MSNBC lesbian. Doesn't matter. Nothing illustrated this better than an article I read several years ago in Forbes, of all places. And this was while Glenn Beck was at the height of his media power and influence. And he admitted flat out, with no ambiguity, that he didn't give a rat's ass about ideology or politics. It's the money, stupid. And his product was crafted every day to maximize consumption. It was reality-based entertainment, and it was packaged as news and spin toward those with a specific worldview and political doctrine. Nothing more. And he made insane amounts. Do you remember how big he was maybe about 10 years ago? He figured out how to give people what they want daily and laughed all the way to the bank. Facts, context, and social responsibility be damned. He learned how to exploit what I call the Don Quixote complex. Uh, He learned, like Hitler, there's your Hitler reference, (laughs) how to lather up and exploit the mob, you. And uh, he also learned how to do it for profit. Do you listen to Alex Jones at all? He is the contemporary poster child today, but he's far from alone. They've all taken the boutique news model perfected by Fox News in the 90s and made and continue making ridiculous money with it. I I railed against Glenn Beck. I called him like the, the asshat king. I think I called him the Pied Piper, the fucktard Pied Piper, something like that a long time ago. But here, here's the thing. When I read that, Coming from media background myself, it may shock you to hear it, but I developed at least, at least a small amount of respect for the man. Because at least he knew what he was doing. He didn't believe the shit coming out of his mouth. He knew that the last uh, American industry, the one thing that America does best, better than anybody else in the world, fleecing the fucktards. Old hashtag of mine. You guys want this shit? You're actually going to buy it? I'll I'll take the money. That's what that boils down to. And in this context, and for being upfront, at least with Forbes, about the fact that he's a naked and exploitative entertainer, he understands that. He understood he was an entertainer. And his script was based loosely on current events. That's it. The song and dance man, giving you what you want. I can respect that. Uh, Merle, Edward R., was uh, prophetic in 1958 with his warnings about the future dictated by a for-profit free press, and he was just as prophetic as Eisenhower was a couple of years later when he uh, rang the alarm bell about uh, the military-industrial complex. Those two things, I think, came within two years of each other. And both still apply even more uh, today. But even since then, 
Even since Murrow in 1958, there were warnings all along the way. The movie Network, do you remember that? Made about 1976, 42 years ago this year. And it seems like a documentary that, was, that could be just released last week. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Did you see how it ended? That character, I, what's his name? It's not, I, I forget the actor's name, but he's the CEO of the uh, Broadcasting Corporation. That is one of the creepiest and most accurate uh, depictions of the corporate media and what it's about. Money. Money, 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 money. It's like any other corporation. None of this happened yesterday. None of it started with Trump. None of it started with Obama or even George W. That began when the networks figured out and embraced. They, they always knew it, but they, they figured out and then they embraced that rather than losing money, their news departments could be profitable. Insanely so if they gave people the news that they wanted. Boutique news. Now, Fox News, now say what you want about them, but they were ahead of the curve here when they saw the undeniable, right or wrong, okay? But it is undeniable that there's a liberal slant to the media. The corresponding hole in the market as well. They saw that and they saw how to fill it. Rush Limbaugh style. Not only did they fill the hole in the market, they showed just how little people cared for the amount of truth their spin of choice contained. And they also saw and learned how eager they were to ingest propaganda as long as it's their propaganda. And most importantly, they showed how profitable, again, it could be. Insanely. With Fox, the other networks had to adjust. That's how it works, man. There was a new, highly rated network now competing for these uh, precious ratings-based ad dollars. And one thing the media is insanely good at, incredibly good at, is seeing what's working across the street and copying it. Do it all the time. Inevitably, the liberal version of Fox was destined to slink forth. MSNBC was it. Now, of course, they wanted to be positioned as the anti-Fox, but in reality, they've always been Pepsi to Fox's Coke. Same shit, different flavor. That's it. It's real simple. And since Trump, nothing has changed, nothing has improved, despite all the claims of the rebirth of real journalism since uh, the orange baboon was hatched about a year ago. Here's the thing. It can't change. Stop it. It can't. This is the most important part of this. You have to understand this. Mostly, it's you. You. You, 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 you. Do I need to say it in Spanish? Es tú. The media consumer. It's you. You have countless spins of choice out there now, right? It's hand-delivered to your devices every minute. Sometimes more (laughs) than once a minute. Every 10 seconds, you can have your spin of choice, a new version of it in your hand. It's what you want. You, the consumer, unless you're uncommonly self-aware, and most of you ain't, sorry, has no need, or more importantly, no want for hard facts, real news and analysis. You don't want that, collectively. I can can hear the outrage, oh, I do, I do, I do. Do you? Are you sure? Do you think Slate or Huffington Post is giving you real news and real analysis and not spin propaganda and boutique news? Do you really believe that? Over on the right, hey, you guys, you think Breitbart's giving you the real deal? Fox? Do you really honestly believe that? 
they're not. If you're on the fence about this, you have got to see this. It's the single most important thing, I think, that's going on right now in the country. It's what's fueling and feeding the echo chambers. It's what's stoking the mobs, feeding the tribes, however you want to look at it. It's the boutique news that you're mistaking for fact-based reality. It's spin. And spin, fact-based spin, is by definition propaganda. Do you understand that? You know, there are countless, countless places for these mobs to light their little pitchforks. And uh, an insane amount of competition to be the pitchfork retailer of choice as well. In 2018, the only publicly funded media is NPR and PBS, at least in the U.S. And it itself is a failure. Because despite Moonbeamer's claims to the contrary, it's funded... And thus, because it's dependent on public funding and donations, it's tailored to liberals. They're the ones that support it, therefore that's the product they get. If they quit producing that product, the money dries up and PBS goes away. NPR goes away. All they've done is eliminate the flashy production elements and the hyped voiceovers. They don't have the breaking news thing at the bottom. Other than that, ideologically, it's as ideologically pure as anything. We're at least close to it. They may edge toward the middle a little bit, but I wonder if they do. I wonder if that's just perception because it's toned down. Now, the radio station I worked at in Santa Fe, they toned everything down too, but it was still a fart-sniffing liberal outlet. Just because it wasn't yelling at you, you can still whisper propaganda. Lebensraum. See, I whispered it. Still horseshit. Need more Hitler references in this podcast. Feels naked. Not enough Hitler here. Remind me next week. I'll, I'll give you some more Hitler. This is what I'm trying to say. If, if, if you think Amy Goodman is politically neutral, I'm going to have to forcefully bathe you. Because that woman is not neutral about anything. Sorry. She's just not. Now, it's not just television. All the rest of our domestic media is profit-based. Online, television, print, everywhere, everyone depends on selling advertising. That means they require viewers. They require clicks to simply survive. It's a basic, simple thing. Okay, class, now this is going to be on the Capitalist Media 101 final. Are you ready? Here's the question. What does that mean they have to do? That's right. You was a smart Todzilla file. You are. Good boy. They have to create content that the market, the market, you, you are the market, by the way, wants to consume. Or else you, the market goers, go elsewhere. And the media, was that Howard Cosell? And the media, or any other item on any other marketplace, dries up, dies, goes away, and rots. That's how it works. Now, no, no, no. Stop right there. I hear I hear you. I, I, I still have this ESP, man. And I, I, I hear some of you saying that, Lenny, it should be like this. And it should be the other way. It should be like that. Lenny Bruce fuckers, go back to the first podcast. <sighs> what should be is your wet dream fantasy. It's not that way. The should be shit is a terrible, terrible lie. You keep repeating to yourself while expecting the reality that all of the rest of us over here share to conform to. 
Stop it. You're not helping. That is not how it is. This is a profit-based media. They require money. Therefore, they require viewers to sell to advertisers. Therefore, they are forced to create the product you want. You with me? What you want to hear is what they are forced to give you. So you'll put your eyeballs in front of Viagra pill commercials. <laughs> Media companies, they must give the public what they want. We live in a free society. We're free to choose. And being part of an enlightened citizenry, you know what? It's not compulsory. In a free country, we're given the choice to be ridiculously distracted, willfully ignorant, tribalized, and insulated from reality and truth by happy facts if we like. And free to consume whatever information we choose. Free to do it. And the free market is forced to adjust to that. Do you understand that? And therein lies the problem. It's the one that Ed Murrow saw decades ago. Question authority. Think for yourself. Question authority. Throughout human history, as our species has faced the frightening, terrorizing fact that we do not know who we are or where we're going in this ocean of chaos, it has been the authorities, the political, the religious, the educational authorities who attempted to comfort us by giving us order, rules, regulations, informing, forming in our minds their view of reality. To think for yourself, you must question authority and learn how to put yourself in a state of vulnerable, open-mindedness, chaotic, confused, vulnerability, to inform yourself. Think for yourself, for yourself, for yourself. Question authority, question authority, question authority. Think for yourself, for yourself, question authority, question authority. Think for yourself, for yourself, question authority. Yeah, it's a common refrain right there. Think for yourself, question authority. Think for yourself, question authority. You see, the thing is, is that people tend to apply that only to authority of someone else's nature, something that they feel like is being forced upon them, right? What about the authority of your own ideological church? Why don't you question that just as hard as you question somebody else's? See, that's the thing that I think I'm getting to here that just because you know these media outlets reinforce what you want to believe you're not questioning authority you know, i used to work for a guy in denver oh 12 years ago a guy named michael corbin he was a uh, talk show host syndicated once upon a time back in the 90s he had the paranet uh, show which was kind of like uh, uh coast to coast am neat show for what it is <laughs> but it was down that line right 
And he actually filled in for Alex Jones early on in Alex's career, I think somewhere around the year 2000. Set in for him once. Alex didn't pay him. Stiffed him. Anyway, Michael was doing a show from his bedroom in 2006, and he was on a couple of radio stations around uh, Colorado. Um, basically the same idea, something like a coast-to-coast conspiracy-based thing. And it was it's really too bad because he died in the spring of 2008, had a stroke. And it's really too bad he died because he was one of the, uh, the best broadcasters, content aside, I'll get to that in a minute, but he was one of the best broadcasters I had ever seen. He was the best broadcaster I ever personally watched do his job. Oh, he was smooth. But he was also a a conspiracy junkie. And uh, I was sort of in that vein, I guess, as well, back in 2006, 12 years ago, during the height of the Bush years and the Iraq War and all that. Yeah, I wanted to believe that all the things that were going on didn't really have anything to do with me, that it was uh, sort of an externalized force dumbing us down and keeping us stupid. I was out of radio completely at the time. It was before my last morning show gig in Santa Fe. But he was, he, was, he was grooming me to do something like what he was doing. He was sort of a mentor for a while until I figured out now, <laughs> I don't want to do this. And then we went on our separate ways. <clears throat> Never saw him again. And it's sad that he uh, was doing this uh, show in Denver before podcasting. This would have been his venue. Would have been incredible. I'm not sure podcasting was around then, but I know he wasn't doing it and he didn't have the equipment to do it. May have been too early for him. But anyway, he died of a stroke in the spring of 2008. And because of the nature of his show and a few other things, we won't get into all of it today, maybe some other time. But his listeners and people that knew him on the Paranut Show were all convinced despite the fact that he was a two, three-pack-a-day smoker, he was severely overweight, he had a lot of health problems going on. Despite all of that, it never made sense to them that he died of a stroke. Oh, they say it's a stroke. Yeah, the deep state got him. He had enemies. Yeah, they killed him. They injected him with something while he slept. And those rumors, I swear to fucking God, are still out there. They wanted to believe that. They didn't want to believe that Michael could just die because he didn't take care of himself. They had There had to be this external power out there that was keeping him down. Right? Conspiracy theories today, in 2018, piss me off. And that's exactly why. It's about externalizing accountability. And avoiding taking responsibility for your place in the society. You know what I say? It's the people. When I'm talking about the media, it bothers people. They don't want to say, they don't want to hear anything that I've been railing about for the last, I don't know, hour or whatever it is. <clears throat> they hate it. They do not want to feel like they are part of the problem. And conspiracy theories, typically, if you listen to it, if you get really to the root of it, it's absolving them, the little man, the plebeians. It's absolving them of responsibility for the fate and the situation in which they reside. Escapism. Most of them are. One of the most enraging conspiracy theories that I hear and that I've heard for a really long time is the one about how the corporate media 
is part of a vast fucking plot to keep you, keep us, distracted, docile, and stupid. Really? Is that what it is? Or is it simply the fact that we want to be distracted, docile, and stupid? So they give us the product that we want. You ever hear Occam's Razor? Simplest solution's usually the right one? <laughs> I don't even think you have to pull that out of the razor case today, kids. Now, now again, I, was, I once bought into this. Uh, back in the Bush years. Like I said, I was young, I was unsophisticated, and I was stupid, and I apologize if I subjected to any current remaining Dodzilla files. If I subjected to you with any of that, Phil, I am so sorry. I really am. No, it's not a conspiracy, Ghost Rider. Corporations exist to do one fucking thing. Make money and maximize shareholder profits. That's it. That's why they exist. And in the case of uh, the print media... They exist simply to try not going extinct today. The point is very simple. I'll I'll say it again, and it will not be accompanied by your spoonful of sugar. You get what you want. We get what we collectively deserve. Government, media, whatever. That's how free societies work. And that's what we live in, believe it or not. The fact that you're listening to this podcast proves it. The fact that I'm not going to be hauled off in a black van later on tonight proves it. I have been to unfree societies. I've been to Nicaragua where I've had to watch what I say. This is a very, very free society. We have choices, therefore we have responsibility. And we have personal accountability to the choices we make, both individually and collectively. Understand? Collectively, if real news and organizations who were held truly accountable to actual facts were in demand, they'd be thriving today as much as Fox News and CNN thrive and make money. If there were an unfilled hole screaming to be filled, someone like Fox did with conservative media back in the 90s, 20-some-odd years ago, someone would fill it. And no, not out of some goofy, altruistic interest in saving the country. Grow the fuck up. No, that's not why they would do it. The hole would be filled because the demand for such a product would be met, and it would, in return, altogether now, make money. There's no demand for it. At least not enough of one to turn a profit. It's not in demand. And I hate to break it to you, but that's why it doesn't exist. It's not a conspiracy. Think about it. There are more pills to get your flaccid dick hard than outlets to make yourself part of the enlightened citizenry. And if you're saying, But Todd, what about Slate? And what about American Thinker and Huffington Post and Natural News and Patriot Nation? This is the willful ignorance I'm talking about. You're not listening and you're wasting your time. Hit the stop button. Go have a snack. And when you're ready, start this recording over again, or please just go away. I'm not going to swat that stupid down anymore. I can't do it. (sighs) Turn the page, baby. (laughs) And I'll I'll bet you there are some of you out there who absolutely agree with what I'm saying, and you're trying to think of ways to invoke change. Right? Right now. Trying to figure out how to force that media to give the, the country 
what it needs right now, right? You're trying to figure that out, aren't you? You can't do it. You cannot do it. Maybe you're thinking you're going to go boycott. Well, idea come through your head, has it? Maybe you're going to write an email to MSNBC or CNN or Fox News saying, I'm not going to watch you anymore. A boycott. I heard the guys on Unregimented talking about this a few weeks ago. I wish I was on that show. (laughs) Because unless you are sufficiently organized, and you're not, proudly and loudly proclaiming your righteous intention to take your special little eyeballs and dollars away does absolutely nothing. Read your Chomsky, kids. It has precisely, exactly the same effect as your suicide. Not even a speed bump on the corporate thoroughfare. Disconnect? Detox? Absolutely. Quit watching it. Unplug from it. But don't do it simply because you want to be seen with your activist thumb stuck up your ass. On the other hand, if you want to begin to see clearly again, if you really, really want that, absolutely unplug and detox. Detach. This ties into a very long and expansive little opus I've got coming up. Some of you have heard about the social media disease. This ties directly into that. I'm going to get to it today. But I will offer you a quick anecdote about what happens once and shortly after you disconnect and start to detox from this stuff. This took place uh, last summer. I took a real quick hitchhiking trip, essentially around Lake Champlain, eastern New York, western Vermont. And the next to the last day, I was in, uh, where was it? I think Springfield, Vermont, I think was the name of the town, right off the interstate there. But I was sitting inside of a trucker's lounge and made the colossal mistake, colossal mistake of trying to watch NBC's Today Show. Now, I'd been entirely disconnected from television completely for about three months at this point. Now, from my detached Um, under-stimulated perspective, the one of a hitchhiker had been out for a week and who was in a random trucker's lounge. The Today Show, still with Matt Lauer at this point, seemed to me to serve two supposedly undetectable purposes. First and foremost, capitalist-slash-consumerism reinforcement. That's what I saw first and foremost. It was everywhere, reminding the herd that the mammon-driven life is indeed the path to existential purpose. You need this, and you need this. This is why you work. Stuff is your salvation. And all the gadgets that they showed, which were obviously paid product placement, it was always delicious. You absolutely must buy this. It's amazing. And the latest pop culture and entertainment promotions designed to establish subconscious standards and notions of success. The bar of social acceptability while generating silent comparisons. I'm not like that. I should be. Hey, Johnny, cue up sticks. Then there were the news snippets, reminding all the cattle who were gorging at their electronic trough that morning just how dangerous the world really is. You need to remain safe inside your hermetically sealed cage with all the stuff you've been convinced equates to life. It's your identity. That shiny shit is who you are, and it needs constant protection. Now this. 
Get Comcast Home Security. Look how safe it makes this paid five-year-old actress appear to feel. Do you see the connection there? They terrify you with these stories. They create the problem in front of you. And then in the advertising, they offer you the solution. Everything wants to kill your daughter. Oh, here's Comcast Home Security. Do you see how it fucking works? Most of you don't. You know, the coup de grace was Matt Lauer. He was hawking Smucker's jelly by exploiting people on their 100th birthday. NBC put their faces, these, <laughs> these old people, these 100-year-old people, in the middle of a computer-generated Smucker's label. Using old people to hawk Smucker's. No dignity at all, huh? No fundamental shame whatsoever. None. And so few, so precious few, even suspect the motive of their media. I detoxed, I detached, and all of this was deafening. It was so clear, once again. And I was sitting in this trucker's lounge, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, charging my phone and berating a television set, out loud. How has this been on the air for 60 fucking years? Eventually, disgust overcame the curiosity, right? And I was also afraid. I mean, I swear to God, I was literally afraid someone was going to hear me and kick me out of there. Yelling at the television. So I quickly found something else to uh, occupy the time while I charged my batteries. Green Acres. I found Green Acres. It's great. You get desensitized. You're the frog in the stupid cliche pot. And it's getting worse. I felt the sensory assault whenever I've returned from Latin America, including this last time, two weeks ago. As soon as I step off the plane, it's as though I'm bombarded at the airport. And what I was conditioned to before leaving absolutely astounds me. Social media and the internet in general have the same vile effects. And it is far, far, far from benign. But it's treatable, thankfully. As I said a minute ago, highly recommend fully disconnecting from as much media as possible. Especially television and the internet. For an extended period of time. Yes, even NPR Moonbeam. Then reconnecting, briefly, to see how exposure to electronic media has conditioned you. If I were less concerned with overall brevity, which at this point, I don't see what the point is. But I'd repeat the parts about the outrage industrial complex, boutique news, and the uh, accompanying ideological riptide drift as other examples frog in the pot man i'd use that analogy it's overused but even the frog is mercifully released if only by boiling death he gets out of it you're not as lucky the marketing and branding drill just lobotomizes your soul a little bit each and every day it is much easier to use this money-making machine of television and radio merely as a conduit if radio news is to be regarded as a commodity, only acceptable when saleable, then I don't care what you call it. I say it isn't news. One of the basic troubles with radio and television news is that both instruments have grown up as an incompatible combination of show business, advertising, and news. And when you get all three under one roof, the dust never settles. Sometimes there is a clash between the public interest and the corporate interest. Upon occasion, economics and editorial judgment are in conflict. I am frightened by the imbalance. 
the constant striving to reach the largest possible audience for everything. By the absence of a sustained study of the state of the nation, it can be done. Maybe it won't be, but it could. But let us not shoot the wrong piano player. Do not be deluded into believing that the titular heads of the networks control what appears on their network. <coughs> they all have better taste. <laughs> all, all are responsible to stockholders. And in my experience, all are honorable men. But they must schedule what they can sell in the public market. And this brings us to the nub of the question. In one sense, it rather revolves around the phrase heard frequently along Madison Avenue, the corporate image. I am not precisely sure what this phrase means, but I would imagine that it reflects a desire on the part of the corporations who pay the rate for radio and television programs to use that time exclusively for the sale of goods and services. Is it in their own interest and that of the stockholders so to do? The sponsor of an hour's television program is not merely buying the six minutes devoted to his commercial message. He is determining within broad limits the sum total of the impact of the entire hour. If he always invariably reaches for the largest possible audience, then this process of insulation, of escape from reality, will continue to be massively financed and its apologists will continue to make winsome speeches about giving the public what it wants or letting the public decide. We're engaged in a great experiment to discover whether a free public opinion can devise and direct methods of managing the affairs of the nation. We may fail, but in terms of information, we are handicapping ourselves needlessly. For if the premise upon which our pluralistic society rests, which as I understand it, is that if the people are given sufficient undiluted information, they will then somehow, even after long sober second thoughts, reach the right conclusion. If that premise is wrong, then not only the corporate image, but the corporations and the rest of us are done for. To a very considerable extent, the media of mass communications in a given country reflects the political, economic, and social climate in which it grows and flourishes. We are currently wealthy, fat, comfortable, and complacent. We have currently a built-in allergy to unpleasant or disturbing information, and our mass media reflect this. But unless we get up off our fat surpluses, and recognize that television, in the main, is being used to distract, delude, amuse, and insulate us, then television and those who finance it, those who look at it, and those who work at it, may see a totally different picture too late. I do not advocate that we turn television into a 27-inch wailing wall where long hairs constantly moan about the state of our culture and our defense. But I would just like to see it reflect occasionally 
the hard, unyielding realities of the world in which we live. And I would like to see the doing of it redound to the credit of those who finance and program it. Measure the results by Nielsen, Crandex, or Silex, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the main thing, the main thing is to try. The responsibility can be easily placed in spite of all the mouthings about giving the public what it wants. It rests on big business and on big television and it rests on the top. I began by saying that our history will be what we make it. If we go on as we are, then history will take its revenge and retribution will not limp in catching up with us. We are to a large extent an imitative society. If one or two or three corporations would undertake to devote just a small fraction of their advertising appropriation along the lines that I have suggested. The procedure might well grow by contagion. The economic burden would be bearable, and there might ensue a most exciting adventure. Exposure to ideas and the bringing of reality into the homes of the nation. To those who say people wouldn't look, they wouldn't be interested, they're too complacent, indifferent, and insulated, I can only reply, there is in one reporter's opinion considerable evidence against that contention. But even if they are right, what have they got to lose? Because if they are right, and this instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate, then the tube is flickering now, and we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. This instrument can teach, it can illuminate, yes, and even it can inspire. But it can do so only to the extent that humans are determined to use it to those ends. Otherwise, it's nothing but wires and lights in a box. There is a great and perhaps decisive battle to be fought against ignorance, intolerance and indifference. This weapon of television could be useful. Stonewall Jackson, who is generally believed to have known something about weapons, is reported to have said, when war comes, you must draw the sword and throw away the scabbard. The trouble with television is that it is rusting in the scabbard during a battle for survival. Thank you for your opinion. Again, that's Edward R. Murrow from 1958. It's going to be 60 years ago this October that he gave that speech in front of radio and television executives. 1958, 60 years ago. And it occurred to me when I was listening to this, putting it together, incidentally, slightly edited, took some stuff out. Obviously, you can go find the full speech somewhere else. Anyway, I was putting this together, and it occurred to me that when he gave that speech in 1958, television wasn't much older. It was right about the same age as the Internet is today. Relatively young medium, they were kind of figuring things out, finding their way. And Edward R. Murrow was a prophet. Now, he lacked 
the context of the following 60 years. But in the ensuing 60 years, his fears were realized. And his vision was dashed. His admirable idealism was devoured by mammon's wolves. The profit margin. God money. We'll do anything for you. He had no concept when he was talking idealistically about giving the public information. He had no concept how this information, these competing ideas, if you want to call them that, I call it propaganda. I don't think they're ideas at all. Could be monetized and weaponized, turned into echo chambers the size he could not comprehend or even imagine. He didn't see that. How could you expect him to see the uh, development of cable television and the internet? These multiple access points delivered, hand-delivered into your hand at the spin of choice that you choose. And one of his ideas, one of his main ideas, was that all of this starts at the top. That the responsibility for content lied with the media companies. And in his day, and in the relative youth of television and radio at the time, I can see that. I can see that perspective, that it's our responsibility to be responsible for our product and the news media, the media companies, the networks, all of them. They all figured out eventually that they can monetize information, they can monetize news, they can monetize spin and make obscene amounts of money doing it. So they failed. They absolutely failed miserably. Oh, well, is he contradicting everything you said? No, he's not. 60 years ago, it failed. Everything he feared came to fruition over the last six decades. So now, my friends, now it's up to you. If you care about the direction of the country, if you care about any semblance of a connection to fact, truth, now it's up to you. You have got to stop consuming it. You have got to excommunicate yourselves from the ideological churches. It is up to you. Going back to my earlier piece, I hope I got very little of it. <laughs> I don't think you want it. I don't think we want it collectively. I think that the tribalism is going to win. Again, I talked about my girlfriend's parents earlier. And her dad finding this piece of information on the internet, not bothering to find out if how he digested it and interpreted it was accurate. He didn't want to. Doesn't make him a bad person. All right. He's simply more interested in defending his ideology than seeking truth. He's not a unicorn here. He's not alone. And I can't change that. He has to seek it out. And that is a really good metaphor. He is a really good metaphor, an example from the collective. You're looking for hope in that? There is none. Until we, as a culture, maybe as a species, uh, reject personal truth. Stop mistaking what we'd like to believe with truth and reality. Reality, truth, is singular. Versions of the truth are mistruths. Do you understand that? Can you can you get a winner? <sighs> Cutting through the bullshit 
our own and everyone else's is hard enough, man. It really is. And doing it with this, this cacophony of advertising-driven agenda constantly screaming in our ears, it's impossible to do. This is what I was getting at when I spoke of synapse pruning and my useless shit epiphany. Getting rid of that which does not fucking matter to make room for that which absolutely does. It's essentially meditation. It's the same concept. Cutting through the noise to hear and see, see, see the truth reality. Ancient ideas that have never, ever, ever been uh, more relevant. Disconnect and detox. You, you have to do it. You are responsible. And you, Obi-Wan, are our only hope. Part of the problem is, is that people don't know what to believe. There's so much information out there. So many competing stories, ideologies, points of view, versions of the truth that without putting a great deal of work and thought into everything, uh, they just decide to lazily believe whatever the hell they want to believe or whatever their feelings tell them they should believe. Facts be damned. They've given up. And worse, they've learned to exploit that... uh, Nearly universal loss of connection to demanding that proof dictate how we interpret the world. Our unfiltered eyes, freed from the coyote blur. It's a literal abandonment of commitment to truth. Alternate universes now, competing and opposing laws of factual physics. Competing. And opposing laws of actual physics. That cannot end well. And one final point on this. And Murrow mentioned it in his speech. But he mentioned subscribers. That one way to get the advertising influence out of the media is to basically take on the HBO model. One of the programs I actually do like, and even if I don't really agree with the content 100% of the time, is John Oliver. Bill Maher does a good job as well sometimes, but again, he's a little too ideologically pure for me. Although less, more or less, uh, less so than a lot of people. Listen to Maher's commentary on colleges and political correctness in Islam. And liberal apologies for Islam. He does a pretty good job, and he can do that because he's... Subscriber-based. You have got to pay a fee in order to get those programs, but you can't uh, organize and, and attack Kia or Chevrolet or Ford and have him taken off the air. He went through this right around 9-11. He had Politically Incorrect. Remember that show? And he said that those hijackers on those planes were anything but cowards. They flew planes into buildings. They weren't cowards. And he lost his job because of the outrage And the fact that his sponsors didn't want to be attached to him and ABC didn't want to be attached to him because the sponsors wouldn't be there. Now he was fired. If he went to HBO, he could say what the hell he wanted. No advertisers standing over him. So that may be the solution. Murrow didn't think so, but this was 60 years ago. He didn't see cable television, I don't think, at that point in time. Maybe that is the solution. Maybe somebody needs to come up with a 24-hour news network that's paid. Right, But the problem is they would have to actually take the Murrow idea, his idealistic idea of just simple, basic, 
agenda-free information and then depend on people to subscribe to it. Somebody would have to do that. I think it's great. I, I think there's a hole there. I think it's, I think it's worth a shot <laughs> since it's not my money. <laughs> of course, I think it's worth a shot. I don't know. I don't know how that would go. The optimistic side of me wants to believe that there are enough people who are actually interested enough in being part of an enlightened citizenry that they would pay for that. I don't know. The cynical side of me thinks, <clears throat> suspects that you're addicted to the outrage. You're addicted to the conflict. You like it. You see yourself as part of the crossfire model. You remember that show on CNN, Tucker Carlson? Paul Begala, I think it was. The liberal and the conservatives fighting it out. You all see yourselves as girding your loins up for battle on the ideological battlefield. I don't know how that would go, but I guess in the interest of sausage party hope, maybe? I have no idea. People suck, and that's my contention. I can prove it on scratch paper and a pen. Give me a fucking etch sketch I'll do it in three minutes. The proof, the fact, the factorum. I'll show my work. Case closed. I'm tired of this backslapping, aren't humanity neat bullshit. We're a virus with shoes, okay? That's all we are. Sugar helps the medicine go down. But say what you want about America, land of the free, home of the brave. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. Dumbass motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Now, obviously, that doesn't include this audience. I understand that. You seem intelligent and perceptive, but the rest of them, holy jumping fucking shitballs. Dumber than a second coat of paint. How do the people feel about all this? Well, they think it's just fucking dandy. They think it is cool as can be. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient 
workers, people who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. And by the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hardworking people, white collar, blue collar, it doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hardworking people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Enjoy throwing that together, man. And it occurs to me that to some of you it may seem that using George Carlin clip contradicts some things. Is it a vast media conspiracy or is it us? The owners of the country certainly don't want you capable of critical thinking. And it's your responsibility because you're making it goddamn easy on them. How long? Not long! Cause what you reap is what you sow! What you reap is indeed what you sow. And if you're content with sitting inside of the echo chambers, going to your ideological church and listening to your political evangelicals, convincing you that the other half of the country is just simply evil, buying into their version of reality, even if it's not even close to what the reality actually is, then yeah, you're screwed, man. And if that's going to continue... The divisiveness, the radicalization, the bilateral, reactionary radicalization that's been taking place in the last 10 years, and particularly over the last couple, maybe three, it's going to get to the point where the sense of commonality is so frayed. We see the other half of the country as the opposition, the insurgency, the evil that's trying to come in and take the country away. Conflict is coming. And there's nothing that you're going to be able to do about that. So basically, there's no hope, and we're really fucked! Hey guys, you want to believe that? Or this? I don't like bad things. Me either! We choose the more pleasant thing! Yeah, I mean, what this sausage is saying, it's just uh, the theory! You, senor, have no bedside manner! What? I have bedside manner! You don't respect anyone else's beliefs! You intolerant piece of shit! 
They truly are monsters. I tried to warn everyone, but they didn't believe me! You just called them all a bunch of fucking idiots! You need to give them hope. <laughs> this is the bane of my existence right now. Because I know it's a huge problem for me. He's right. You call people fucking idiots enough, uh, they don't give a shit what you have to say. That's true. You know, culturally, we've been doing that to each other for a really long time. It might be part of a bigger problem than just me. But yeah, what is it? I mean, what is the uh, the path forward? What is the sausage party hope in this case? I think what it is, we collectively have a choice to make. And it has to be a collective decision. It's not just you. And it's not just me. There has to be a culture-wide commitment to reestablishing a relationship, a personal relationship, oh no, not with Jesus, with facts, rather than relying simply upon things we want to believe and interpreting that as reality. And beyond that, we have got to figure out a way to find some sort of authentic sense of what binds us, who we are together, Politics aside, as Americans, that's the problem. Because right now, everybody sees the other as the enemy. If you're in the resistance, who are you resisting and why are you resisting? Because you see Donald Trump and Trump voters as the enemy. Somebody who's trying to take the country away from you. And on the other side, all the way back to 2009, teetbaggers, you've been using the same rhetoric. You socialists are trying to take a country away from us. We patriots going to take it back. Where is the middle ground here? That is what needs to be found. Where you can sit down and look at a teabagger and look at a green teabagger and have them come to some sort of compromise and understanding that, hey, you know what? We're not enemies. I know you're not really a socialist pig. Hell, you're okay, fine. I know you're really not inbred. That's where we have to get to. The things that bind us together as a culture and a nation, they have got to trump simple politics. No pun intended. It's got to become more important. <laughs> Do you see that happening anywhere? <laughs> no. You hear, you know, as I've seen some talking heads, and I think some people are trying to sell books on the idea. But now, there's not any real authentic movement that has any semblance of unity. Now, shut up, hippie. No, don't you even... Equality, shut up. I really have no patience. I heard you. See, I have the this ESP thing going on. I, I heard you. Unity via division. How does that work? Again, hippie. It's identity politics. I don't even want to hear it. You have no idea what unity is if you think that you're going to achieve it by dividing the country along gender lines and uh, sexuality, race, demonizing all white people, especially white men. Come on. How is that going to work for you? It's not. But beyond that, what is going to work? I have no idea. I really don't. I'm still here. You didn't send help. Where's my fucking hashtag?